return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. You like this heat wave? Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. As long as you see the sunshine. Praise be to Jesus. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus. We declare Jesus Christ as Lord in this house, Lord over this Sunday school class. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. You're raising up a Joseph generation, a people who thrive, Lord, even in their Potiphar's house, even in the jail, even when they're lied about, even when they're forgotten, Lord. I praise you that your people always rise to the top. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Always, always, always you cause your people to triumph. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to talk today. Am I got a little too much echo? Nope. Okay. Thank you. All right. Grace. The enablement to thrive. So I love this topic of grace. I'm sure you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon, but it's just this amazing topic, right? Yes. Hopefully we just expand our understanding a little bit more, a little bit more today. Somehow we've relegated grace to just having a part in our salvation. You know, the undeserved favor, the unmerited gift of eternal life. And then we stop there, and we don't understand that what God meant all along is for us to be bathed in this favor every single day, for, for daily, for this power to be an experience in our life, and for us daily to be, have this grace, this power um, dispensed into our lives. So there's a lot of different ideas on grace out there. Every one of them is wonderful. <laughs> Um, you know, the famous acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. I mean, we're talking about all of the resources of heaven, all of the resources of heaven available to us because we are in Christ. Probably the best teaching I've ever received, and I'm sure I've passed it on once or twice, is that grace is like a two-sided coin. On one side, we have this undeserved unmerited favor, which we've never been able to deserve it. We never will. (laughs) This unconditional love that's flowing towards us. But again, it's not just for salvation. We're talking about favor for a lifetime, right? We're talking about this power that puts us at a definite advantage in this world and positions us to have an influence, to make a difference in our in our world for Christ. On the other side of this coin is operational power. We're talking about verses like Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Or verses like 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Jesus gave those amazing words to Paul, which affect us. My grace is sufficient, more than sufficient for you. So here's the way it reads in the Passion. And again, hear this as if Jesus is talking to you, friend. (laughs) He answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. Paul's saying, you know, he goes on, I will celebrate my weaknesses. I'm not worried about. I'm not all fretting about this big challenge in my life, this great big impossibility, or even my weakness, this inability that I seem to have, because it is a gateway. I think I give you another translation. Oh, no, 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 no. Stay right where you were. Sorry. Is it the next verse? So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. There's one of the versions that uses this phrase portal, that it becomes a portal. You know what a portal is? It's a gateway, a door. So your weakness might be giant to you, but to God, it's this big gateway. It's this big doorway, an invitation to God. Come on in and show off, God, because I'm available for you to help me. And uh, so we can boast. We don't have to get all worried and fretted, fussing about stuff. Um, Because here's the NIV. I gave you that too, right? This is the way the NIV puts it. Maybe I didn't. There he is. There it is. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That's when it's going to show up the best. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Say that with me, friends. The power of Christ's rests on me. me. Let's say that again. The power of Christ rests on me. Glory to God. Now, I heard this gentleman the other day give this, um, what was Josh Keener, and he was giving his definition of grace. So he divided it into four definitions. So I'm going to share those with you today because they're kind of rich again and, like I said, expansive, just kind of stretches our understanding. The first one is this business of thriving. It's the power to thrive, to be victorious. And I don't know. I mean, somehow we have the enemy keeps throwing these. We have this picture that we're missing something. We have this idea that I'm lacking, that I'm short on. I remember the song we used to sing all the time at the other church. More love, more power. What's the next phrase? There we go. So again, you know, it's this mentality that I'm missing something. I, I'm short. I, I don't have enough love. I, I don't have enough grace. I don't have enough. But the truth is, friends, when we're in Christ, and this is a revelation every one of us must get a hold of, that at any given moment, in any given situation, I don't, no matter what or who or where, always we have enough grace. Always the grace is flowing, the power to come out on top and to prevail and to be victorious. Always. So, I gave you the first definition from this gentleman, and let's just, I'm going to just take it for myself. Enablement to thrive. 
Number two is this unconditional love. Continual. Um, this thick love, the Bible talks about that surpasses knowledge, right? And thirdly, he calls it the power to transform a situation. And fourthly, grace is God's favor. Beautiful, wonderful favor. So we're going to talk at length about that first one, as you probably guessed. (laughs) But I want to draw your attention to the third one, this power to transform a situation. Isn't that good? The power to transform a situation. Again, this is a key revelation we have to get, that if it's not good, God's not finished yet. Because God has set it up every time for us to win, for us to come out on top. Yes, we have to keep giving God a few things to work with. (laughs) Let's keep giving him our declarations. Let's keep giving him our prayers. Let's keep bathing our brain, our mind, our heart with the word of God. Let's keep worshiping. I'm always thrown off by we have these opportunities in this church, lots of other places too, but mostly this church is an amazing place where worship goes up to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But we can't take this stance in the middle of worship. We can't close off our hearts and say, well, I mean, we're so busy looking, I guess, or thinking about something else. But that's our opportunity to engage with God face to face. I was just hearing that, thinking about that the other day. Moses, do you realize God never told him to put that tent of meeting outside the camp? Moses just decided, you know, I'm going to put this, my tent is going to be outside the camp so I can go out and meet with God anytime I want to. And what did, the Bible says God came down. The people, everybody in the camp saw the cloud of glory every time Moses went out there. I mean, that's old covenant, friend. We're in the new covenant. We can connect with God heart to heart, face to face, deep to deep. Glory to God. And um, so when we worship, we're the ones who are changed, right? As we behold him, we take on his likeness. So yes, all the power, all the authority, all the heavy work is on God's end. That's what grace is about, right? But did you know the Bible speaks of failing the grace of God? That's in connection, that's in Hebrews 12, 15, and I can't spend a lot of time going into that, but... Another verse talks about frustrating the grace of God. And I do want to just take a minute because that's found in Galatians 2.21. Does anybody know what Galatians 2.20 says? That's the famous verse, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Powerful, powerful verse, right? The one right after that says, I do not, I've chosen, I make a choice, I'm not going to frustrate, I'm not going to make the grace of God of no effect. Did you know we have that opportunity, friends? We do, in every situation, those big challenges that come up, those times in our lives when you're feeling weak and unable, like we just talked about from 2 Corinthians 12, there's that invitation to God to show up. But we have a choice, we can say, oh, not for me today, Lord. I think I can handle this on my own. Or, oh, that's for those needy people over there. (laughs) No, it's a choice again. Or we can be too proud. Or we can think, well, there there are some people that are just ignorant. 
They honestly don't know that the grace is flowing already on their behalf. And so they don't take advantage of it. But we want to tap into, we're not going to frustrate the grace of God. We're not going to make it of no effect. So in other words, we've got this immense grace flowing to us. Number one, the enablement to thrive in every situation, friends. Every situation. Number two, absolute unconditional love that's flowing towards us. Number three, we're talking about the power to transform any and every situation. And number four, ridiculous favor, right? Absolutely ridiculous favor. The gracious hand of the Lord upon me, upon you. Hallelujah. And again, in every situation we choose, we can draw from the grace or we can decide, eh, it's not for me today. (laughs) Well, let's grab it, right? Hallelujah. So let's talk about this power to thrive because let's face it, there's lots of times when it sure looks like, feels like things are really lousy and I don't know how I can possibly come out of this on top. Hebrews 11.1, the Amplified Classic, puts it like this. This is a very famous verse, but again, I want you to just take it in today. First of all, the big word now... (laughs) We're talking about right now. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed in our hand, our spiritual hand, of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Things we do not see, but we can see them in the spirit, friend. We have to train our spiritual eyes to see it and to grab it. And notice this other definition here. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I mean, that's what this whole supernatural life is about, friends. Living by faith and not by sight. We can't see it. We can't feel it. But it's this alternate reality I've talked to you about. It's this kingdom of God that is more real than the physical. It's just that we can't see it. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? Perceiving as real facts. So any of these promises of God, any of these kingdom realities, they are real. They're just not revealed to our senses. But faith is grabbing them as ours. Yes? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's not just a little trickle of grace flowing towards us, friends. Again, like I said, most of us see and experienced our, the grace when we got saved. Otherwise, we couldn't get saved, right? But it's still flowing. It's still flowing and not a trickle. I heard this guy I was referring to earlier. He called it an ocean of grace that we're, that we're swimming in. Just picture that. This ocean of grace. This power. This ridiculous favor. So that we can thrive no matter what happens. We can thrive today, friend. We can thrive tomorrow. We can thrive next week. We can thrive no matter the weather. We can thrive no matter the politics. We can thrive no matter what's going on in our finances or in our health or in our relationships. I'm telling you, God meant for us to be able to thrive. Hallelujah. It's by him we live and move and have our being. Um, We're going to study now for a minute John 15, 5. You know this, this chapter is all about abiding in Christ. Um, if you've read this chapter lately, there's an interchange of the word abide and remain. 
Remain in him, abide in him. Twelve times that same Greek word shows up in this chapter. Twelve times. And it's all about abiding in Christ. Attaching ourselves to him. Living in this inseparable union that we have in him. Remember Jesus, how often did he say, uh, it's the Father in me. It's what he says. It's what he does. That's how I do what I do. Well, isn't the Father in us as well? He's the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. We're the branch, so we're attached to him. But look at this. Jesus announced, I am the sprouting vine. I'm the thriving one, he's saying. And you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. So I talked about this attachment, this, you know, Psalm 91 says the same thing. Um, When your affection is set on, it's actually a Hebrew word meaning attached to, to him. That's when you'll be delivered. That's when you'll be set on high. He's saying just be the branch. Just stay connected to me. Just know that you're in union with me. And it's a given. That fruitfulness, that flourishing, that that thriving is going to happen because you are connected to Christ. Hallelujah. So will you say that with me? I'm tapping in to the power to thrive. I'm abiding in Christ. I'm receiving his power today. To tap into the favor. To tap into the love. To tap into the joy. To tap into the peace. All because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So what we often need, and I'm sure every one of you have it, what we call an anchor verse. A verse that especially in the middle of difficulty or struggle, you go back to this verse because <laughs> it, it stabilizes you, right? It re-anchors you to this bedrock of your faith. And here's a really good anchor verse if you don't have one. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. We're going to be in the Passion. We'll read a few verses here. <clears throat> so then, we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have this magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. I heard this phrase the other day. um, It's the breath of God mixed with the dust of the earth. That's you and I, right? It's an amazing thought. And this breath of God keeps breathing on us. Hallelujah. But he knows we're made of dust. But he also knows we have this breath of God breathing on us. He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are. And he conquered sin. So now we come freely. We come boldly to where we call it. The King James calls it the throne of grace, the throne of favor. Where love is enthroned. Picture that next time you're headed to the throne. Love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. 
So it's such a powerful promise, such a powerful reality that we get to choose to receive, we get to choose to walk in because of what, what Jesus did. We have, because of this magnificent king priest, we have this open heaven. Hallelujah. We have complete confidence that we can at any time of the day or night boldly approach the Father where love is enthroned. This throne where grace abounds and runs over. Again, I talked about this ocean of grace. And we get to receive, did you see this little phrase, mercy's kiss? It's kind of an intimate thing, isn't it? A kiss is a wonderful thing. But it's an impartation of something very, very intimate. There's actually a Greek word in the New Testament that describes this. I think I've talked about it before. It's called epipito. In the Greek, it's spelled E-P-P-I-P-I-T-O. Anyway, I know two places for sure where it shows up. One is in the story of the Good Samaritan where the father greets the son when he comes back. Maybe you've even seen, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. And he hugs him. It, it's, it is an embrace and a kiss. So he embraces his son. He kisses him on the neck. And that's what this word means, is to be embraced by the father and kissed on the neck. There's another time that this verse shows up, and it's in the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 10, where there's this whole group of people in this room, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, I think most of the translations say the Holy Spirit fell. And I don't know what your picture is. Do you see fire on people? Do you see this big cloud? What do you see? But the Greek word, friend, is this epipito, that everyone in the room, you know how that is with God? He's such a personal God. Every single person experienced the embrace of the Father and the kiss around the neck. Ooh, I love that. I mean, that's what God's, what we're talking about here. Every moment of any day, the middle of the night, here's this throne where love sits with his arms wide open. What should I do? Move. And he's often talked about the lap of God, right? Just jump up on his lap, right? Um, it makes me think, I guess, about um, about the Apostle John. You've seen pictures of the Last Supper. You know, it was a little audacious of him, wasn't it? A little bold of him to lay his head on Jesus' breast. Like he had to get pretty close. And in front of all those other guys, how many of you would do that? Guys, especially. We're talking about, what, 12 guys around a table? For him to be so bold, so audacious to get up close, I'm sitting by Jesus. I'm laying my head as close to him as I can. But talk about a transformation of a man. Do you remember in his younger days? He was known as, his nickname was Son of Thunder. He was ready to call down fire from heaven. Should I move over here? What a transformation. He wrote the whole Gospel of John and then all of the 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. What a revelation of love, right? He made it his... How do I say it? I, I forgot to say one other thing in the book of John. How many times did John say, I'm the disciple Jesus loved? I love that. 
Ooh, again, it's a little bold, right? For us to announce, hey, I'm the one. I'm the one Jesus loves. But that's true about every one of us, right? So if we can get bold enough to boldly come to this throne of favor, this throne where we'll receive more power to thrive, if we'll just get up, position ourselves to receive that kiss from the Father, then perhaps we'll come into that same revelation of love that John had, right? That boldness. Um, Third John chapter 1, verse 2, this same disciple I'm talking about here, he calls this ability to thrive in every situation, he calls it soul prosperity. And I'll never forget the day I got this verse. Like, Because I used to read this and think, oh yeah, he's just writing this letter to people. He's just saying, I, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're in good health. No, this is the Father God talking to you and me. He's saying, Bob Rowe, I want you to prosper. This is my will for you, that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So, soul prosperity, the ability to thrive in every situation. I was studying this thing on Joseph. Maybe you heard it in my opening prayer. At which point in Joseph's life was he successful? Was it the day he stepped out as prime minister of Egypt? Was that the day he was successful? Long before that, right? In fact, if you read, um, I was just peeking at it last night, Genesis 39, right when he was in Potiphar's house already. Of course, I think it happened before then. But at least in Potiphar's house, God describes him as Joseph was prosperous and successful. Soul prosperity starts inside. And the other will always follow. It'll always follow. Hallelujah. So yes, you might be in a season right now that's challenging. Know this. God is imparting to you supernatural ability right now for you to thrive in your challenge. We're talking about grace upon grace. John 1.16. The Amplified puts it like this. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth. Wow, wow, wow. We have all received grace upon grace. Favor upon favor. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Gift heaped upon gift. The ability to thrive. And again, the ability to thrive. And again, the ability to thrive. Friends, it's flowing out of his fullness. Hallelujah. 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 Notice again um, from Hebrews 4, this invitation to the throne of grace. Can you just take us back there? There's a couple things we're supposed to do. Number one, cling in faith. What kind of picture do you have with cling? You can maybe picture moss clinging to a tree. You can think of a little child clinging to their mother's leg, not letting go. Static cling. We women are used to that, right? Things stick to us that aren't supposed to. <laughs> well, we're supposed to cling in faith to what we know is true. And another one of our tasks is to come freely and boldly. Glory to God. So the Bible is very clear that we are in this perfect union with Jesus. We are the temple of Christ. This whole business of being able to come boldly to Christ. Um, what, well, this is some, these are a couple of things the enemy does. One of his lies is 
your problem is too complicated. Your issue, it's too hurtful, it's too painful, it's too big for God. So he makes us feel like this orphan over here trying to deal with it all by ourselves. That's a lie. Or he'll try to get us in the past. Because if you really want to receive this kiss of mercy and discover this grace to thrive, you have to be present with Jesus. You can't be in the past. That's where the enemy wants us a whole lot of the time, right? Going over and over that hurt, that offense, that rotten thing that happened. Or he gets us over in the future, worried about this thing that's down the road. It's probably not going to (laughs) happen, right? But we have to learn to be present with Jesus right there. Remember that word now from Hebrews 11.1? Now faith is. Let it flow to you right, right now. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is here with us, in us, right now. Hallelujah. And remember this other verse, verse 15. He understands our humanity. He lived through it. In fact, doesn't the Bible say, look at the end of 15. He was tempted every way that we were and he conquered sin. He already overcame the whole business. John 16, 33, cheer up, be of good courage. Don't lose heart, the Bible says, because I've overcome the world. In other words, I took away its whole power to defeat you. You cannot be defeated. Hallelujah. Unless we choose to. Unless we don't decide. If we decide, I don't need that grace. I'm not going to tap in. I'm perfectly fine by myself. Well, then again, we're frustrating this grace of God. So let's just stop right now. Jesus, we pause right now, Lord, to receive this mercy's kiss. We're opening up our heart, Lord. We're opening our heart to receive from you. And Lord, we give up this business of trying to figure it out. How in the world we're going to make it, let alone thrive. And Lord, we're letting go of our past. We're letting go of all those offenses, all those hurts, all those disappointments. We're letting go of the future. We're just putting it into your hands, Lord. We don't know what's going to happen, but we do know, Lord, that you are good. And we know that you're with us and you're never, ever going to leave us or forsake us. And you said, come to my throne. So we're coming, Lord. We're coming. We're thanking you that you are enthroned. Love himself on the throne with your arms wide open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we exalt you, Lord. You reign over all. We exalt you over every emotion. We exalt you over every circumstance. We exalt you over every challenge. Even over every demonic attack in our lives, we exalt you over it all. May your kingdom come and your will be done, Jesus. Let your mercy kiss us right now. Your joy fill us right now. Your peace overwhelm us right now. And I declare and I release to everyone under the sound of my voice the rain of grace, an atmospheric river flowing, overtaking us right now in Jesus' name. And let's just peek at one more verse here today. Oh, I'm just about out of time here. Did you give up on me, Jeremy? (laughs) Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow. 
I'm telling you, the word of grace that you receive today, it's doing its work. It's growing. It's blossoming. And it's going to grow. It's going to blossom. It's going to produce seed. Hallelujah. So say it with me. I have a hope. And I have a future. And my future is going to be better than my present. I will thrive. No matter what happens. Hey, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.